welcome back to another episode of Spiritual Friendship. I am going to be recording this episode by myself. Michelle is not able to join me. This is the first time you guys are going to be hearing me record by myself without Michelle. So here we go. For our small announcements this week, if you guys want to support us, you can start with monthly donations on Patreon. This will allow us to create engaging content more frequently that can be accessed on more platforms. That link is always posted in the description below, so go check it out. Secondly, send us a voice message on Anchor. This will allow us to hear what you have to say, and you may be featured on a future episode. We have had people send voice messages to us in the past, and we love them, so send those in. Next, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or our podcast will show up more when people search for us. Your girl has an iPhone now, and I say that on every episode since I've gotten it because I absolutely love Apple. I can go on to Apple Podcasts and read your guys' reviews, and I just i am a huge Apple person. So go leave us a review, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. We love anything. So... Lastly, our Etsy shop is now available. It is Spiritual Friends Shop, and all the proceeds go to our podcast, and we have a lot of really good things on there that me and Michelle have been working on for quite a long time now, so go check it out. So today we're going to be doing Colorado Legends and Lore Part 2. We read from this book last week, well, Michelle did, when we had her mom on, But this week, like I said, Michelle's not able to join us, so I'm going to be reading it by myself. And I'm really excited because eventually I'm hoping that I can get one of these books that kind of goes into, like, legends and stuff from Minnesota. But for today, we're doing Colorado. So the first story is called Heaven's Gate, Alamosa, and the San Luis Valley. And we have a quote from Stephen King. It reads, to confine our attention to terrestrial matters would be to limit human spirit. Ooh, interesting. I'm kind of excited for this one. All right. Mysterious wonders can be found all around the world. Egypt has ancient pyramids. Great Britain is known for Stonehenge. And Colorado has the mysterious St. Louis Valley. I did not know that. All right. It's no secret that many consider the high mountain desert to be the holy grail of ancient wonders. One of the most mysterious oddities is the Great Sand Dunes National Monument near Alamosa. Simply put, the mighty dunes are a freak of nature. Over the centuries, global winds whisked billions of multicolored sand granules into the high desert valley. One of the earliest Indian legends tells that a deep hole beneath the dunes drained into the underworld where evil supernatural beings dwelled. When the Spaniards first explored the valley, they noted many inexplicable oddities, including bizarre flashing lights and felt thundering vibrations resonating from subterranean depths. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Then, much to their dismay, dozens of horses began disappearing from camp. The perplexed soldiers conducted a series of investigations, but searching for animal tracks and shifting sand was pointless. To add to the mystery, they heard chimes ringing and haunting voices whispering in the winds. 300 years later, early homesteaders also reported peculiar sounds and witnessed hundreds of ghostly white stallions kicking clouds of dust into moonlight skies. Sometimes ranchers would hold late Night rendezvous 
I don't I think that's how you say it hoping to round up the midnight Mustangs and break them for a good profit but attempts to capture them only frightened the cowpokes only frustrated the cowpokes I don't know what that is as their common steeds were never fast enough to compete with the lightning quick night stallions Locals wondered how the nocturnal horses could run so fast, unimpended by the sinking sands. Unfortunately, the mystery was solved when a mountain man discovered strange webbed footprints stamped in the mud of Medino Creek. He recalled the mystery of the Spaniards' missing horses and figured they'd adapted to their environment by developing webbed hooves. Some of the spookiest legends about the shape-shifting dunes told of a Mormon caravan being swallowed overnight and the disappearance of the Martinez family. Both mysterious ha- both mysteries happened in the late 1800s and remain unsolved today. Wow, that's crazy. That was a really long time ago. But we do know that the Martinez family consisted of an elderly couple and their teenage son, Michael, who often grazed their sheep near Medino Creek. Late one afternoon, Michael returned to his adobe shack to find his parents missing without a trace. The frightening experience rendered the youth the, the youth speechless. After waiting several days for his parents to return, the mute teenager finally went to a neighbor's house with a note in hand explaining the weird tragedy. The ranchers took mercy on the kid by putting a roof over his head. It didn't take long for the couple to forge a close relationship with the pitiful orphan. Sadly, just a few months later, Michael Martinez disappeared while tending their flock near the dunes and was never seen or heard from again. With all the inexplicable disappearances, it's no wonder that the Indians feared the unpredictable moving mountains and never ventured within their menacing shadows. Celebrated author Christopher O'Brien found his career on writing about this mysterious San Luis Valley. His books include amazing stories about ghosts, Bigfoot, lost runes, holy miracles, mysterious gravity-defying roads, and hidden treasure. However, he is best known for his expertise in unidentified flying object, objects, better known as the UFOs. Over the past 30 years, O'Brien has documented hundreds of UFO sightings and cattle mutilations in the valley, oh wow, which he believes are somehow connected. He writes that the area holds several paranormal portals through which through which extraterrestrials travel, and that Mount Blanca holds a secret subterranean air base for great aliens. Creepy. Apparently they come in colors other than green. Green? Hmm. Oddly, many ranchers have complained of finding dead cattle with their vital organs dissected with a surgeon's precision. Strangers? Stranger still is that every drop of blood is drained from their from the beasts and radiation is noted along with peculiar circular burn marks left on the ground. The famous case occurred in September 9th on September 9th, 1967, when a horse named Lady, better known as Snippy, <laughs> that's kind of funny, was found mutilated and um, and and front page headlines from the local valley carrier screamed, flying saucer killed my horse. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Just a few weeks later, the Associated Press picked up the story and the amazing news circled the globe. 
O'Brien firmly believed believes that the valley is an epicenter of extraterrestrial activities and he is not alone. Since the beginning of time, Indians have passed down legends of winged rock ships, however, oh, hovering over the valley, and of strange lights flickering in the night skies long before man sprouted wings. Perhaps the mysterious heavens are what lured the first spiritual seekers into the valley in 1850. A small army of Spaniards was camped near the present-day village of Conejos in search of a location for a new mission. But after just a few weeks, they decided to return home. However, a monk's stubborn bureau, bureau refused to follow the caravan. The frazzled Friere kicked the donkey in his flanks, yanked at his woolly mane, screamed in his floppy ears, and pulled his lanky tail... But the vapid beast just munched away on wild, sweet crabs. Finally, the humiliated old man got down on his knees and prayed for a miracle. After a word from God, the maddened monk sarcastically asked the obstinate beast if they could build a settlement here or there. As if to agree, the donkey kicked up his heels and brayed at the, fi the fine suggestion. In 1854... Our Lady of Guadalupe was erected as Colorado's first church, all because of a stubborn jackass. Yet another spiritual mystery of the valley has become known as the legend of San Acacia. Acacia? In 1853, Mexican farmers were away plowing in the fields while the women and children busied themselves with domestic responsibilities. As a rapidly moving thunderstorm drew near, a warning, a war, a war, a warring army of Indian soldiers barreled toward the village hell-bent for leather. When news reached to town about the approaching army, a quick-thinking Spanish monk ordered everyone to drop, their knee drop to their knees and feverishly pray to St. Acacia for a miracle. The skies darkened as the army drew near and thunder echoed through the farmlands like the bellow of Gabriel's horn. Suddenly, the billowing black clouds instantly vanished from the heavens, and then along came an army of silver-clad warriors darting through the skies. Needless to say, the Indians weren't the only witnesses who ran screaming from the stupendous vision. Historians can't really say what witnesses saw that morning, but villagers called it a miracle. Called it a miracle. Legend tells that because of God's kind mercy, a church was later erected later erected on the spot. I don't like the way that sounds. The chapel of Acacio, Acacio still stands to this day, the second oldest church in the state. Wow, that is crazy. So if you are the sort of character who is intrigued by man-eating sand dunes, nocturnal webbed-footed horses, cattle mutilations, holy miracle, and UFOs, then you might want to take a trip to the mysterious San Luis Valley. While there, you can learn more about heaven's mystery by visiting local churches, temples, and shrines, as well as the infamous UFO watchtower. I've been to a shrine in Colorado, and I absolutely loved it. So Michelle wanted me to mention that she's been to this next place of the story that I'm going to be telling. It's uh, the cliff dwellings of Colorado. So I think that that's really cool. The second story is Land of Giants and Little People, Lost Animas, Woodland Park, 
and Mesa, Mesa Verde. I've been, to Woodland, I've been to Woodland Park, I believe. So here's another quote, and this one's by Abraham Lincoln. The eyes of that species of extinct giants, whose bones fill the mounds of America, have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Colorado was once home to some really freakish life forms. Evidence of prehistoric monsters can be found at Dinosaur National Monument as well as the Fluorescent Fossil Beds National Monument. What you probably don't know about our big backyard is that the oddest collection of humongous fossils came from humans. In 1870, the Rocky Mountain News published an intriguing article about jar gargantuan human bones found outside Los Animas. The distinguished Dr. Beshore took particular interest in this case. The medical doctor was a proud Civil War hero, a civil leader, and the founder of Trinidad Advertiser and Pueblo Chief Chieftain Newspapers. Suffice it to say that when Beshore, I think that's how you say it, but I'm not sure, appointed himself as the only suitable authority on such matters as gigantic human fossils. No one agreed. On December 20th, 1870, the Rocky Mountain News quoted the man of science as saying, the bones are much bigger than any man living today and must belong to a race of giants. According to Richard J. Dewhurst's enthralling book, The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America, almost every culture on earth included giants at the cornerstone of their beliefs. From the Norse frost giants and biblical Goliath to the Greek and Roman titans, Mr. Dewhurst claimed that North America was once inhabited by an advanced earthborn race of giants, which would explain why colossal mummies have been found in several states, including Colorado. The American Indians also had legends about a humorous, humongous race. One story told that the great spirit Manitou published a clan, punished a clan of invading warriors by turning them into the monolithic red rocks found in the Garden of the Gods Park, which if you've never been to the Garden of the Gods, you must go because it is absolutely beautiful. But the natives also shared stories about fairy folk. For example, the Hopi Indians worshipped a tiny benevolent race known as the Ant People. And the Shoshones told of evil Negra. However, the most recognized race of fairy folk was the so-called Little People. In her enchanting book, Winsong, author Mary Summer Rain writes of an unnerving experience with the little people that she had outside Woodland Park, which is, this is where Michelle said she, she's been. I never dreamed anything like that existed. I mean, as a child, I had picture books and fairy tales and such, but this was really different. I, it had no wings. It looked like a miniature Polynesian woman with very large round eyes. Her eyes pierced mine with such a depth that it frightened me. These tiny beings were feared by Native Americans and settlements of little people were shunned. When the early pioneers of southwestern Colorado heard legends about little people living in a nearby valley, they scoffed at the silly stories. Imagine their surprise when newspapers across the country confirmed that rumors are being true. On February 23, 1890, a Wheeling, West Virginia newspaper shouted, The Cliff Dwellers, a remnant of the mysterious race, 
said to have been discovered in Colorado. The discovery of the cliff dwellings, which I think I've been to the cliff dwellings. I'm not quite sure, but if it's in Manitou Springs, I believe that I've been there. The discovery of the, the cliff dwellings occurred in December 1888 when two cowboys were searching for lost cattle in Manasa Canyon. Before heading home, the ranchers dismounted to stretch their legs. At a blustery overlook, the men spit over the edge and took a leak. Obviously, they were a reckless sort, as spitting and peeing are never good things to do over a windy cliff. Suddenly, the clouds mysteriously parted, and a sunbeam illuminated a gap on the opposite side of the canyon, revealing a miniature kingdom. As the cowboys gawked at the stone village, they wondered who might be staring back at them from dozens of painless windows. The ranchers rode faster than the wind to the opposite side of the canyon, and with the help of their lariats, lowered themselves over the sheer cliff, not knowing what or who could be waiting for them. They pulled their pistols before venturing over a rock wall. Not a sound could be heard as they pensively ventured into the long-lost ancient city. It was as if time stood still. Clay pots, baskets, primitive stone tools, and piles of bones littered the floor. A bonanza of ancient artifacts. The 5,000-year-old ghost town became known as Mesa Verde. News of the amazing discovery greatly alarmed Native Americans who felt it was sacrilegious to disturb the dead. In retrospect, it was a blessing that the Indians made such a fuss because a few greedy opportunists were selling ancient artifacts on the black market. Prompted by outrage, a sheriff from Durango arrested a Swedish aristocrat for attempting to export a third shipment of relics to an overseas museum. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I'm looking at this picture. I wish you guys could see it. Maybe we'll have to post on Instagram, but I do believe that I've been here. But since there was no laws against robbing from dead Indians, he just slapped, he was just slapped on the wrist and sent home without his suitcases. Yet something good did come out of the, this fiasco because in 1906, the American Antiques Act was passed, which outlawed plundering archaeologist sites. Yet for years, the Indians still showed con contempt over commercializing Mesa Verde. Sometimes their collective... Disapproval was voiced in the newspapers. On July 28, 1915, headlines for the Telluride Daily Journal bluntly stated, Don't like the telephone. Indians predict that little people inhabiting Mesa Verde cliff dwellings will destroy telephone lines. Supposedly, the little people caused quite a com commotion when the park first opened and even a decade later, when telephone lines were being installed. Could it be that the little people were protesting the interactive museum or was it all just an ironic coincidence? I called Mesa Verde to inquire about the little people and was disconnected. In fact, I never got a return reply. I have to admit it's kind of made me wonder if little people were up to their legendary shenanigans or maybe the receptionist just assumed I was munching peyote buttons. <laughs> So, yeah, those are the two stories. Let us know what you guys think. I hope that you really liked it. We do want to continue telling these stories, and hopefully I'll get a storybook of Minnesota tales sometime soon so I can, you know, read some Minnesota stories because I do find these very, very interesting. But we love you guys as always. We hope you have a great week, and thank you so much for tuning in. Bye, guys.